From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is Government Matters with Francis Rose. Thanks for watching Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news, trends, and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm your host, Francis Rose. James Byrne is out as the Deputy Secretary of the Department of Veterans Affairs. VA Secretary Robert Wilkie says he fired Byrne because of a, quote, loss of confidence. FedScoop reports the Senate only confirmed Byrne in September. Federal employees and government agencies aren't settling firings, suspensions, and other adverse actions as much as they used to. The Merit Systems Protection Board's annual report finds only 47% of appeals ended in a settlement in fiscal year 2019. GovExec reports that's down from 51% of appeals settled in fiscal year 18. The Navy will delay its new force structure assessment until after the release of the 2021 budget request. Acting Navy Secretary Thomas Modley says, he, says the plan for a 355-ship fleet will include ship classes that don't exist yet. Modley tells USNI News the FY21 request will put the Navy on a path to more than 300 ships, with a higher growth rate coming in the 22 request. The Office of Management and Budget has a new action plan for the 2020 federal data strategy. The plan lists 20 actions agencies will need to take to prioritize data this year. Jonathan Album is Principal Data Strategist at ServiceNow and former Chief Information Officer at the Agriculture Department. Welcome, my friend. It's good to see you. Great to be here. We were talking before we went on the air that there's just so much with the data strategy and 20 mm -hmm. action items and so yeah. on. What jumps out at you at all of this? First meeting of the CDO Council and all of that. Sure. So when, uh, when you read the... Uh, when you read the action plan, they state right in the beginning that this is to create a foundation for a decade's worth of work. Mm. And I think that's a very realistic approach to this. Data has overwhelmed our agencies. We all want to use it strategically, but data gets locked away in siloed systems. And before you know it, it's very difficult to know if you're where the data that you're using, where it came from, do you trust it? Is there an ability to integrate it with other data sets? in your agency or other agencies. So these are very challenging questions and you just can't solve them one agency at a time. You have to think about it as a federal government and the fact that we have a government-wide data strategy, the fact that the CDO Council came together for the first time uh, just last week. You know, I think there's a real sense of optimism mm -hmm. amongst chief data officers that I've spoken to that there is, um, there, there is a comprehensive strategy now and approach to really changing the way we think and use data in the government. The council structure is interesting to me because over the years I've heard not complaints exactly but just apprehension about some of the other councils that mm -hmm. exist. What yeah. makes a chief data officers council in and of itself successful do you think? I, I think the opportunity to create uh, shared understanding about how agencies are being successful around governance, around positioning the CDO inside an agency. There's there's very not really necessarily a, a single way to do it, but there are some ways that are probably going to yield better results than others. Mm -hmm. And if the CDO Council could come together, share that information, take best practice from one agency, apply them to others, especially around governance, I think, and changing the culture to more of a culture that's focused on using data strategically to make decisions, I think those are very positive things that are going to come out. Softer skills and the technology mm -hmm. uh, components of it, but, you know, there's opportunity for technology and data sharing too. Is the fact that data is such an important part of the president's management agenda, do you think, a really distinct advantage for the concept of yeah, the CDO Council for sure. and, and the success of the And now's the, the time. If I were a CDO, I would be using the momentum we have to um, be positioning myself inside the agency with programs, getting out of IT, focusing on the programs, focusing on the data. So many of our programs have uh, 
program officials that are real data strategists. They, you know, they've been economists, they've been statisticians, they've been doing things with data for a long time before he said it was cool, before it was part of the PMA. Well, let's uh, co-opt those professionals into this process right now and, and use them to our advantage and use their talents to our advantage to, to push forward on data as quickly as we can. The, the action plan describes, uh, you know, steps to in, increase data uh, skill sets in agencies. I think we probably have more of those skill sets than we think, that, but they're not IT employees and they're not in the IT organization. Mm -hmm. They're in the programs and they've been making making programs work very effectively over time. How much does the structure of this matter? Your former agency, the Agriculture mm -hmm. Department, has Ted Kalk, a yep. data officer. Uh, the Justice Department, Joe Klimovich, is performing both duties. Yeah, does that matter I, much? You know, again, so much of it is uh, dependent on the personnel of the agency. Uh, my preference would be to separate them. My preference would be to have the CDO outside of IT, actually. Mm -hmm. I think Ted's in the IT organization. He's yes. doing a great job. But long-term positioning for someone as a CDO that is not tied uh, directly to technology that is about the business, it's about strategy. I think that's the long term, that's the way to do it. it. In the end, you know, we're trying to use data to make good program decisions. We want to serve our citizens better. And every great citizen experience, there's a, there's a workflow behind it. Mm -hmm. And that workflow is really describing data moving through the organization so a citizen can get a program benefit or an employee can get uh, their address changed when they have a, you know, a, a change that they can get their payroll correct. That Simple things can happen. And those workflows are really important for the way people feel about their agency or how they feel about their government. And if you can do those things well, you begin to build a little more trust. You know, trusted government is at an all-time low. Mm -hmm. And if you can have positive citizen experiences because the CDOs and, uh, re you know, related activities around data help us understand how the data moves through the organization, well, I think we're building a really strong foundation to do great things and solve really big problems. If the chief data officer doesn't live in the IT shop, where does she get her money from? That's something I guess we should look at when the well, FY21 budget request comes sure. out. Sure, sometimes, you know, the IT shop doesn't get a lot of money either. Well, you true. know, the money's in the programs. And, you know, I think if you're able to, again, reach out to those program officials and program technicians that have data skills and they can see that their skills are valued and the data is going to be used in ways to drive mission outcomes, because it's about mission outcomes, mm -hmm. I think the money can flow. I mean, money has to flow from programs into these more uh, administrative functions at times. The appropriations for these offices are often, you know, not sufficient to do all the work. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to do it, you have to be in it together. And if we're able to create that mentality of it's, uh, it is uh, win as a team, right? You know, so we like to talk about that all the time, win as a team. If you can do that inside an agency, now you're able to um, make everyone a part of the solution and solve the really big, complicated problems that require data, that require cross-agency collaboration and cross-agency integration. We have about 30 seconds left, Jonathan. What would you watch throughout 2020 as these agencies take on this 20 list, 20 item action? Sure, if, if you look at the, the initial 20 action items, uh, one of those is the publishing of data data inventories and open data plans. Mm -hmm. And we've done been doing open data, we've been doing data.gov, but I want to see what uh, data inventories get published and then what are the opportunities to solve the really big problems by looking at data in my agency and your agency and another agency, integrating them and creating new insights that we haven't had before. Jonathan Album, thanks as always. Great to see you. Thanks. Great to be here. Up next, what's next for companies doing business with the government? Straight ahead on Government Matters, sorting through the mandates and the RFIs. You're watching WJLA 24-7 News.
This Industry Matters segment is brought to you by BDO. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services spends $2.7 billion a year on information technology systems. Federal News Network reports CMS Chief Operating Officer Jenny Main said recently she sees opportunities for savings and efficiency. Maximus is one of the companies that supports CMS's IT operations. Tom Romeo is General Manager of the U.S. Federal Services segment at Maximus. Tom, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. Uh, thanks, Francis. Good to be here. What trends are you seeing among the customers that you're working with across government? What are they asking you for? What are they asking you for more of than maybe they have in the past? Well, I think the need for IT support is always there across the government. There's a lot of uh, legacy systems mm -hmm. there to support and maintain. But um, the trend towards agile development and uh, much quicker turnaround to modernize systems has become very prevalent in the government. Now. Are you starting to see the agencies, the, the discussion and, and the action about modernization trickling down to the program level? A lot of discussion about it the last yeah. four or five years back into the Obama administration yeah. at like the OMB level and the agency CIO level. But I wonder what you're seeing and what your teams see at like at the actual program level. Yeah, there's a very large focus on modernization now and it goes everywhere from the business process and how uh, agencies deal with the citizens they serve but it flows down to the systems now and trying to make the systems more responsive to the government to the citizens needs uh, things like a better website access better social media access and again they're using much more agile techniques to try to break apart those functional systems underneath what have you seen as the success stories that agencies and and companies like yours are applying together to be able to to reach those goals to be able to to serve the customer the citizen yeah. better yeah, I think there are uh, a lot of success stories, and I think one of the interesting things in the contracting environment now that we're seeing is more tech challenges. And the way those work is that they give you a technical problem to solve. You take a small team of developers, you solve the problem, and you submit the code to the customer. Mm -hmm. They evaluate the code of multiple vendors, and uh, they down select a few and then they have you come in and give you another problem to solve and so they're really looking for the talent level that's there and it kind of uh, levels the playing field on incumbency it's interesting to me because those that concept has been there's some companies that really love it yeah. some companies that are not so high on it and there yeah. are some that kind of are, feel from both schools of thought right one school of thought is well I don't necessarily want to hand in my code you know I don't want to show right. my work because then everybody will be able to see it right the other side of that coin I guess is what you talked about about leveling the playing field right and and I do think you know usually uh, the problem that they hand you is a generic problem mm -hmm. not a specific problem to their customer set or customer set of problems so uh, giving the code over uh, like in one case, they asked us to replicate something like a Netflix movie distribution mm -hmm. uh, thing where the agency obviously not in that business. Yes. So. It's also interesting to me because that concept seems to be a big point of progress for the idea of agencies being able to tell companies like yours, here's the problem that we have instead of here's a whole long list of requirements that you have to comply with. Is that fair to say, do you think? I think that's very fair to say, and I, I do think that one of the challenges in government contracting is sometimes they 
overspecify the problem or the solution to the problem uh, in such detail that it that it uh, reduces the amount of innovation that the company can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. So this actually gives you a chance to say, here's what the problem set is. Show us your innovation and how you can solve the problem and demonstrate it through the, the coding. So you know, I, there are other trends in contracting uh, around a statement of objectives instead of an RFP that that I find, you know, if you're not sure the best way to solve the problem, something like that will allow a lot of innovative thinking to come forward. When you do see those statements of objective, yeah. are they actually what they say they are or are they more prescriptive maybe because agencies are having a hard time getting out of that habit? Yeah. They have the right idea, but maybe yeah. the execution is a little off. Yeah, I think it's hard to make the shift from the traditional RFP, and I, I really feel for contracting officers today because you know, the FAR, if you printed it out, oh, right, God. it's about this big, yeah. and they have to follow those rules. So uh, it's hard to not do it the way you've always done it. Mm -hmm. And uh, statement of objectives really goes to a different route, um, and we see more uh, OTAs as well. So uh, those are really different approaches than the traditional RFPs have been. We have about a minute left, Tom. What would you like to see companies like yours do yeah. broadly across the contracted community to be able to help government get on this path that we're talking about, not necessarily specifically about statements of work versus uh, statements of objectives, but just generally at facilitating the process. Yeah, I do think that uh, unfortunately there's a been a trend to kind of shut down conversations with uh, vendors prior to releasing RFPs, and I, I think that's hurt the government in a lot of ways because those concepts that they need to include in the RFP to get the best response aren't there if they don't have those conversations ahead of time. Uh, I think there's always a concern of an unfair advantage talking to one over the other, but the best procurement officers that I've seen open the doors to everyone and say, uh, the only thing is, I'll talk to you, but the only thing I want you to know is I'm going to tell everyone else what I tell you. Mm -hmm. And those are really good acquisitions usually. Tom, thanks very much for coming on. It's great to have you. That's great to talk to you. Thank you, Francis. Up next, new cyber standards for the defense industrial base. Straight ahead on Government Matters, how ambitious is the timeline? Don't forget, if you miss an episode of Government Matters, you can find it on our website, govmatters.tv. We'll be right back. Back to Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification 1.0 is out for defense contractors. Every company will need to comply with the new standard by 2026. Under Secretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment Ellen Lord says she's preparing for a quote complicated rollout. Mm -hmm. Richard Spires is CEO of Learning Tree International, former Chief Information Officer at the Department of Homeland Security. You chuckled as I quoted Ellen Lord there. What was the laugh about, Richard? Well, I, I, I think it is going to be a complicated rollout, Francis. I mean, you're talking about not just the prime contractors, mm -hmm. the large companies, but mm -hmm. you're talking about all the way down to the small subcontractors, the small companies, and. You know, it's not an insignificant lift for organizations to, to meet these new requirements. We talked a little bit before we went on the air about your involvement at the in, uh, initiation of FedRAMP. What are the yes. parallels that you see with what 
how FedRAMP rolled out and how CMC, uh, CMMC certification. Well, uh, yeah, let me just out. say, I mean, I was there uh, as we formulated FedRAMP. I was in the government, and it, it's, it's still a great idea. Mm -hmm. It's still the right thing to do. That being said, I think we truly underestimated what the lift was going to be and how long and arduous and costly the process has been for, for many of these cloud service providers to be able to meet those FedRAMP requirements. You know, I'm hoping, you know, that it's gone through a revision process of the CMMC. We're down to 171 controls. That's still a lot. Uh, but I think they're trying to recognize some of those lessons learned. But I still think they're going to have, I mean, I, I hope we go into an agile process here mm -hmm. a bit and that they're open to some uh, modifications as we move forward on this process. Because I think you're going to find they're going to run into some real issues uh, as they move forward, particularly as you get to the smaller organizations. It strikes me that the challenge with the modifications in the Agile process is the same issue as we saw with FedRAMP, at least I saw from the outside, and that is companies that line up first go through the first set of uh, the way the controls are set up at mm -hmm. the beginning. Yes. If that's relaxed or changed or modified or whatever adjective you want or verb you want to use to describe it, the companies that started up front feel like, well, we didn't have to go through the same level yeah. that the companies, they, they yeah. tried to make the process easier, so we kind of got stuck as the Yeah, but they the also get, a, I mean, the opposite would be they get a first mover advantage, mm -hmm. right? They're better positioned for, for those contracts. I mean, according to DOD, they're going to start rolling out RFIs and then RFPs this later this year. Mm -hmm. They're going to have these requirements in them. So, you know, there's not a lot to start with, but, um, yeah, so I think there are going to be, I think the large organizations are going to be all over this because, you know, it's going to be, and, and by the way, I, it is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, long term, when you look at major breaches, you look at the OPM data breach, you look at major breaches like the target breach, a lot of breaches happen because of that supplier network, okay, the contractors that are supporting the entity. Um, you know, they get compromised and then they've got access to, the, to those parent systems. So you need to look at that ecosystem. And so I absolutely applaud the DOD for the move they're making. I'm just worried about how arduous this journey is going to be. Do you them. think the timeline is too ambitious or just right on target? Or is there no way to say until we're actually I, into yeah, it? Yeah, I, I think I can't speculate mm -hmm. on that. All I would ask is that they be agile, right? Mm -hmm. That they recognize that when they run into a problem, I don't think the FedRAMP office was agile enough at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I think they got there or mm -hmm. you know moved a long way. But I hope if they take the attitude, hey, we know we're going to be learning as we go, and if we adjust, I, I, think the, I, I think the timeline could be met. What do you think of the board and, and the way that the board will approach the certification process? What does success look like as far as how the board goes about the certifications, mm. the audits and so Yeah, on? you know, I, I, I think uh, maybe that's a little hard to say at this point. I, I do believe the independent evaluator model is, again, the right model. Mm -hmm. I mean, self-certification just doesn't work in this right. world. And, and you need to have that outside influence. Um, and, and frankly, the good news too is that this, it's all built on like the NIST cybersecurity framework. It's built on the 853-171 series. We're not, at, it's not like it's brand new stuff. Uh, many of the organizations uh, that support DOD already are, are, are working with these standards, are trying to meet these standards. So that's a really positive mm -hmm. step as well. And that's one of the things that I'm hearing from kind of the reverse angle from people inside the building that are hearing these complaints about this saying, listen, this is, kind of common knowledge, 800-171's been out there for a while, and this yep. is, you kind of should have seen this coming if you've been paying attention. Yeah, absolutely should have. And, and by the way, 
The fact that it's a maturity model, it's a little different than the NIST cybersecurity uh, framework, but but it's related. Yeah. And so, it, it, again, these are good cybersecurity practices for any company to be undertaking, mm -hmm. I mean, whether they're doing work for DOD or whether they're just doing work for, uh, for other organizations. So you've said a couple of times you would like to see this process be agile. What does that mean exactly? What, what, or what do you mean by that? What well, do you I, want to see them well, do to kind of flex based uh, on yeah, what that's, they that's see the market question. do? I, I think you're going to have situations in which certain controls are just going to be very high bars. Mm -hmm. and, and you can theoretically say, well, you need to meet that bar. But it's always about risk-based analysis. And I, I would think that the board and all should be looking at, is that risk, or I mean, I'm sorry, is that, if you will, lift for a company, and many companies, hundreds, thousands of companies that can go through this, for that control, um, is that really worth it, mm -hmm. okay? And, that, and, and I think that's where you're going to start. You should be doing that analysis as you get into this. So you used the word risk, and I was going to ask about risk management, what the role of risk management mm -hmm. is in this for the companies sure. trying to decide to what level they want to aspire in this certification process. Well, uh, well again, I mean, there's five levels of maturity, and, and as I understand it, uh, DOD will be making assertions as to a procurement should be at level three or mm -hmm. four or five, and then they will be coming out and dictating that's the level you'll have to be at. Not just the prime, but if you have subcontractors, the subcontractors as well. And I think that's going to get where it's going to get really complex. Richard Spires, thanks very much as always. I'm Sharice Hanner. You can now stay on top of all things that matter to the business of government anywhere, anytime. Subscribe to the Government Matters podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or simply ask your digital assistant to play the Government Matters podcast. For a quick fix of government news, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at GovMattersTV. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 11 on WJLA 24-7 News and Sunday mornings at 10.30 on ABC7 to stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Thanks for watching. I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening. Our daily program is produced by Sharice Hanner and Ashley Gallagher. Christy Marriott leads our technical crew. Our web editor is Andrew Wagner. Government Matters was created by George Jackson. Visit govmatters.tv for articles, videos, and more, including our first feature-length documentary, The Dawn of Generation AI. Government Matters is recorded at WJLA-TV in Washington, D.C. Copyright Sinclair Broadcast Group.